0: This is On the Block with Strick and Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland.
1: Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion.
0: Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com.
1: Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is on the block with Stricken Austin. Hold up.
2: Well, hello there, sir. <laughs> we are on the block. Yes, and it is Rico and I here, two to four, but Rico is uh, filling in for Austin today, as it looks like. Just, What's going just, on? How just is real quick,
1: going? Austin got pulled into a meeting, so I'm just filling in real quick until he gets back from that. So I'm just hanging out. Like, you know, just me and him, we're talking about uh, sure. Sure. some men's basketball, some women's basketball, some NFL stuff. I was just talking with Nick about the uh, Ed Foley and Terrence Knighton press conference. But since this is your show, I'll let you take it away, good sir.
2: Well, let us let, get into that. What 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 are your? thoughts? I mean, obviously, it, it's not good when when both the Husker programs uh, take a loss. I mean, I Iowa's pretty tough. They've always been pretty tough for uh, the Huskers and handling Caitlin and uh, you know that squad over there. But 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 what was your initial take on the uh, the Husker loss out there in Maryland? You know, how do you how do you feel that they played? How do you feel uh, going from here that it's going to be a lot of what we've seen of of the same type of uh uh, game that the way they're they're playing it or what's your thoughts
1: yeah it's really hard to, to take a lot of positives out of the game in Maryland I mean you had the Sam Hoyberg kind of breakout game where you 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 see that you have somebody on the bench who even if he, he ends up not being I mean I, I don't believe that he'll end up being a starter at any point but you have somebody off the bench that is able to give you some type of spark somebody that can score the ball can shoot the ball uh, extremely well as I was kind of uh, analyzing on on Twitter he was four for four at one point and didn't touch the rim with a single shot um so having him was was a was a bright spot but it just kind of shows you how this season might go towards the end after losing a Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel. you thought maybe you'd be able to 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 take a couple steps forward and just getting a uh, uh, the team together, having the young guys play, having the young guys show some grit and some grind um, to get a couple wins. And they did that in the first half for, for a good period against Maryland, but something that they've struggled with for really the entire four years of, of uh, Fred Hoiberg is finishing, finishing, Finishing halves, finishing games it's something that they haven't done very well and it's especially hard when you don't have uh, two top level defenders in Gary and Bandamel to kind of take the weight off of you know Sam and Derek who are are Sam Griesel and, and Derek Walker who are more than likely the main forces of your offense uh, when they have to also defend at a high level it's going to take a lot out of them they're going to get tired legs and towards the end of the game it's going to be really hard for them to keep pushing to keep anything going and another thing that I noticed was Keisei Tominaga, for as much as we talk about him being a spark plug and him being a source of energy for this men's basketball team, he only took three shots he was one of three and if you want to say, oh well maybe he he thought he didn't have it so he wasn't shooting, I've never seen that from him before, we make the joke that he doesn't see a defender and for whatever reason he was very hesitant to shoot in the game against Maryland and it was I'm not saying that that's a reason that they lost but having another another weapon another person that maryland's defense would have to respect and and close out on quickly would have possibly given them some more lanes for some some other opportunities for some other players
2: yeah it's 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 the weirdest dynamic right i mean he was very aggressive the game before um and uh when they had played uh, northwestern and very aggressive in that game. And then you find it, that Derek Walker was not assertive. I mean, and even Greece them. It's kind of odd that you're seeing these. Um, lack of, lack of, of, of pressing to try to do what they need to do in order to help the team to win for them to even have a chance. Those three guys have to be taking uh, a good amount of shots, mm-hmm. finding way to get their shots. And being aggressive and looking for them, not not necessarily just taking bad shots and just going down there and throwing stuff up, but within the offensive structure to be able to hunt for the specific areas to where shots would become available for them and and look to take advantage of it. I don't think that I've seen that. And that's very odd that Tamanaga finds himself uh, going through that mode on the road. And then you have now also Derek, uh, Derek Walker, the game before in Greece, so having the same you know the same thing. So and those was, those are some 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 odd things.
1: And it was kind of something that you mentioned before, especially with the loss of those two players. Is Nebraska and even before that, they struggle in the half court and they they don't take full advantage of their fast break opportunities. And you saw that on, on full display against Maryland. They, it, despite running whatever plays they were trying to run in the half court, it didn't seem like anything was working. They weren't getting very many open shots. Their shots were falling. I mean, they shot somewhere around fifty percent uh, from yeah. the field, but. They weren't getting enough shots up because they were so well defended, and their offense in the half court just was not working. Yeah, and and I
2: think too when you just look at it, and we can continue to go down this 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 road. It's not it's not even a a negative thing, but it's a it's a road that you just have to take a look at. And when I look at the scores, sixty five against Penn State, sixty three against. Uh, Northwestern 63 against Maryland 63 it's like that's their ceiling Mm -hmm. right now it's like they're stuck in the lower 60s and look we can even go back uh, a little bit before that Uh, Purdue 55 Illinois 50 had a nice overtime game but you probably was around that that upper 60 area when that overtime I think it was 69 when overtime hit there Mm -hmm. Uh, Michigan State at 56 66 In a win, because Iowa just shot so terribly, and they played great defense in that game. And then you can just look at their wins. Queens, 75. Oklahoma Westland, 79. Lost to Kansas State, 56. Uh, Tough all-around game against Purdue, but then a loss again at, uh, Indiana. And then Creighton, another one, another anomaly game similar to what they had in Iowa. And it just seems to be like that's their ceiling on regular type of games. When they have great shooting games, they can get into the upper 70s, maybe lower 80s, and they usually have some success and some wins there. It's just that this constant um, staying in the 60s and they've got to find a way to get that number up. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those crazy dynamics, Rico, that I just don't see it now that you know some of the uh the guys of Gary and Bandamil and just some of the injuries that they have, also Kita and we're really not getting anything from Brydenbach right now. So that's not looking good and it's not looking helpful. Uh turning the ball over, trying to dribble, just uh, I, I would try to live. I would kind of limit his scope for a while until he can kind of just relax and mm-hmm. and stop thinking out there. You, and get you back mentioned him just over dribbling,
1: game. and there were a couple instances in that Maryland game where he got the ball, and I, I don't know exactly what the play was or what was supposed to happen. But where he, he was going, he, he dribbled right into <laughs> yeah. the defense and and lost the ball, and that was kind of an instance where, yeah, yeah you, you he can dribble a little bit. He has a, a decent handle for a big man. But in instances like that, I, I don't really want to see him dribbling right into the middle of the defense, getting stripped, and and you know Maryland's off to the races to get even more momentum for their team. No, I, it's it's not something you want to see from them. And I, I mentioned this earlier in the season; it was before the two got injured. That sixty was the magic number for Nebraska men's basketball. If they're over sixty, if they score over sixty they have a better chance than not of winning. If they hold their opponents under 60, they have a great chance of winning. I think they're 4-0 in games that they hold their opponents under 60, and you would think, oh, well, of course they do. But there are some teams who, even if they hold their opponents under 60, also can't score. Nebraska, as long as they get over 60 points, they have a better-than-not chance of winning. However, that was when they had a good defense. Now it's right so-so. Yeah, I mean, that's just unfortunate. Uh, what was your thoughts about the Iowa game against the uh, Lady Huskers? That one, <laughs> that one was frustrating. So Nebraska go, gets out to a lead in the first quarter. Uh, me and Austin talked about it. The second and third quarter, their defense was damn near non-existent, allowing what was it? Fifty points, fifty two points to Iowa in the second and third quarters combined. Um, and a, a big part of that was. I'm, I don't want to pile on the on the referees because I think I did that enough when we were talking about the NFL. But Caitlin Clark, for how good she is, she doesn't need any more help. It's almost as if when she drives to the bucket, and you saw this multiple times, the defenders kind of get out of the way because if you're anywhere close to her, if you make just the smallest amount of contact, you're going yeah. to get called for a foul. She's getting those yeah. superstar calls. She's one of the faces of women's basketball right now in college basketball. I get that, but it's so hard to defend somebody when you can you you can barely breathe on them without getting called for a foul. And she's so good at finishing that a a good portion of those end up in and ones. Jazz Shelley did a great job of defending her. She was nine of twenty eight from the field, finished with thirty (laughs) three points. uh, I believe ten of twelve line. Yeah, ten of twelve from the line. She had 10 or 11 rebounds and 9 assists, almost a triple-double, but she also had 6 turnovers, which for her is a ton of turnovers. She's handling yeah. the ball damn near every every possession, um, and and Jazz Shelley, like I said, did a great job uh, defending her because she she didn't hit a lot of shots. She just got to the line every single time. And there was a phantom, and look, even the, the, the announcers, agree, there was a phantom call late in that game where she got the offensive rebound, tripped on her own feet, and fell down, and they called the foul on Izzyborn. Immediately after yeah. that, they inbound the yeah. ball, and Caitlin Clark hits a three. 12 12-0 run for Nebraska. Over. They they were pulling within single digits. They were extremely close. They might have been able to take the lead there and possibly hold on, but that that was all she wrote after that.
2: Well, that's that's the that's the thing. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, the referees have been bad on both sides of, of, of the men's and, and women's spectrum for Big Ten basketball, but um um. It was a big weekend also, and I'll get to Austin also on on this question. It was a a big weekend for the NFL. Uh, Great matchups were out there for the AFC and the NFC championship uh, games. The Eagles versus San Francisco, everybody was excited about that to see what Mr. Irrelevant, a.k.a. uh, Brock Purdy, was going to be other party. Uh, able to do, yeah, the other Purdy. What he was going to be able to do against the uh, the Eagles, and how Jalen Hurts was in in his return, uh, now facing staunch the you know the you know one of the the uh, the top defense basically in the uh, league, and how he was going to be able to uh, handle that. And they did a great job. I'm, I've got to give I, listen, I've got to give San Francisco credit. They they did a tremendous job. With uh, containing, you saw their rush lanes were really good. Their integrity was good. Obviously, it cut, it broke loose a little bit late, but they ended up winning 31 to 7. And the story of this whole thing was Brock Purdy, dang near at the beginning of the game, first series, uh, getting hit on his arm and having some issue with a nerve in his elbow to which he couldn't get great grip strength to be able to throw balls downfield. Therefore, You find yourself having to go to your uh, fourth string quarterback in Josh Johnson. Um, He did the best he could. I mean, navigating those waters, those troubled waters of one of the biggest games of his life in this instance. And um, he ends up with a concussion in the third quarter. And so it's downhill from there. What what, what, You know, Austin, what do you think about – what could they do at this point? I mean, they, they've exhausted every option. I mean, they were so close to going to Christian McCaffrey as the freaking quarterback at this point, but how, how did you view this?
0: Right. It, I feel bad for him. Oh, how could you not feel bad for him? It We, we joked, I don't know if it was joked, but we talked all week about how quarterback-proof the 49ers' offense seemed, where it didn't really matter who was at quarterback. Kyle Shanahan would find a way to scheme them up to get them in positions to succeed. Yeah, it turns out you need... A little more than what they had at quarterback. I mean, Purdy goes out first drive, like you said, might be looking at Tommy John surgery or something in that elbow area. That's mm. not great. So then you bring on a journeyman backup thrown into one of the most difficult situations of his life. And you could tell that, you know, Josh Johnson wasn't fully prepared, didn't know exactly what he was doing. A couple false start penalties got leveled on a couple of those sacks. But what do you expect? He's their fourth string quarterback, hasn't been on the team for that long what can he do? If you're Kyle Shanahan, what can you do other than hope your defense can get off the field? That to me is where I think San Francisco fell the shortest is that Philadelphia was able to control clock and control that game. Philly got this game one on the ground. And that to me was going to be San Francisco strategy. If they found a way to get that game, you know, to, to seven, seven, keep it there as long as they can and hope to manufacture something with their defense. But once you have the Eagles score that second touchdown, then the turnover to go up by yeah. two possessions going into half, that game plan, that script went completely out the window. You're playing from behind hard enough with Brock Purdy at quarterback, almost impossible as Josh Johnson.
2: Well, and see that. And also, before Rico responds, the crazy thing about this is the injuries played into the strength of what Philadelphia's defense is, mm-hmm. and that's handling and pressing and getting up and taking away certain types of routes on shorter and intermediate passage. You have to try to beat them long mm-hmm. and beat them deep. And they just weren't able to do it. Uh, the One of the ones that they were able to get was uh, Josh Johnson before he had the concussion hit Kittle on a really nice uh, stopping out um, pretty deep about 15, 20 yards. And mm-hmm. that, you know, those are some of the things that you would hope that they would be able to get if they can find time to uh, to, to, to hit it. But Rico, how do you view it?
1: I wasn't really able to catch this game. I watched the highlights. Uh, I was driving at the time. But from what I can tell, I mean, we like you just said, we did make the joke about how dis- whoever they put into this offense will have a, have success because that's just kind of how, how it looks like when you've gone through three quarterbacks in a season. But you're down to your third string Mr. Or Elephant, seventh round draft pick and he's actually making some noise and he's doing a really good job. You think after that, you know, it can't get much worse, but you're done then you, he gets hurt, you go to your fourth string and like you said he was a journeyman, he's been, you know, all over the league. This maybe isn't an instance where he was expecting to get in at all. I mean, he's preparing for this as as they all do throughout the week, but when you truly get in there and you're facing the number 1 team in terms of sacks in the NFL in the Eagles, it's it's a rough go of things coming straight off of the bench and being a guy who you were not expecting to play really at all this season. Mm-hmm. So it's something that Chris Raff was mentioning earlier on the drive is maybe the NFL looks into something about having a third quarterback available on game days. Maybe like they the emergency maybe they, backup going. Yeah, just something where where you know he's not going to go in for trick plays. He's not going to go in and and hold. He's not going to do anything else. He's just there in case your first two get hurt. And I understand, oh, what if he gets hurt? Then you're out of luck. Well, if you go through three quarterbacks in a single game, you were just not meant to win that game. (laughs) Like, that's just, that's, I'm sorry. Like, you weren't going to win that game regardless. So, that's something that maybe the NFL should look into. But I, you know. Brock Purdy coming back into the game, there, there, and you know not able to throw with his bad elbow. He's handing the ball off. Maybe he throws like a little short screen pass. I think is what he did. And he got Christian McCaffrey warming up. You are going to run the Wildcat that the Dolphins ran a couple of years ago, uh, when that's really all they had. It's it's a terrible, unfortunate ending for a really good season for the Forty ers Shanahan and Brock Purdy.
0: That have a lot of guys would... up for new contracts this year too.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, I I really do. I I absolutely feel terrible about how you get this far on basically just a razor-thin margin of error of what you could have with your... You have great pieces in place. You have great weapons. You found something that was able to use uh, those weapons effectively and efficiently in Brock Purdy, and then, boom, the first play of... The biggest game before the Super Bowl that you're going to have all year, and you you're not able to complete it, and that's sad. I really do feel bad for that organization uh, as a whole. I would like to. Um, I, I think we'll probably try to get to uh, the AFC Championship game probably in the three o'clock hour. Uh, we we've got to get to Brian Munson. Brian Munson's been holding on, and and we're going to tap in with him, uh, get him online and then uh we'll have cluster at three thirty. um i believe i think he's still going to be available and then uh we'll have shootout with strict this is on the block uh sponsored by mary Ellis. once again shout out to mary ellens and charles and the crew uh they're not open today. It's probably cold out there also. So it's it's in my better yes. well that you may not be able to go out there today. But Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul uh, there at 27th the Pine Lake. You can always find some great, wonderful meals there for you and the family. As we continue to go through this new year, we've got to take a quick break. We'll have Brian Munson on the other side of it. 93.7 The Ticket. We are on the block. We'll be right back.